When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Legendary dancer and choreographer Bill T. Jones is featured in the new documentary, Can You Bring It? Bill T. Jones and D-Man in the Waters. I spoke with him in 2017 about receiving the Portrait of a Nation Prize at the National Portrait Gallery. Just talk about your fellow honorees for a second. How exciting is it to be with Spike Lee and Rita Moreno and Madeline Albright and David Ho? Yes, well, first of all, to be uh, honored in this way across the board is wonderful. Every person you just mentioned, I have great respect for, and I've had some uh, cursory uh, interaction with all of them except for David Ho uh, over the last uh, over the last couple of years. At one point, Spike it was, and I were even talking about doing a project together, um, and I don't think there, I don't think it ever went anywhere because I love Michael Jackson. That was something. Oh, wow. It was about gentrification in Brooklyn, but that was the title. And uh, Madeline Albright and I uh, were at a roundtable discussion with Colin Powell and some people from the Arab Emirates talking about a festival in the desert. And that was sort of, I don't know whatever happened to it. And uh, um, so Madeline Spike and Juarita Morena, I was uh, a stage for the Young Arts Organization, uh, their gala, and she was there and, and we had an exchange, which was kind of fun. Um, yeah, so I, I have some, I know, I know all of their work. I'm very, very honored to be part of it. When, do you remember the first time you saw a Spike Lee film and how shattering it was? Right, right. Well, what was the first Spike Lee film that I saw? Was it um, She's Got to Have It or was it um, Do the Right Thing? Do the thing? Right Thing? Do the Right Thing, yes. Yeah, that was a fresh way of talking about territory that many of us had grown up with in the 60s and 70s. I think it was made in the early 80s, wasn't it? 89 was the year. 89. Yeah, remember 1989, the number, another summer. Right. That's, the, that's how it starts right, with right, the public right. enemy. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, he was the kind of go-to guy. I was He and John Singleton sort of yeah. came out together at that time. Boys in the Hood was like two years after, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Spike was always um, spiky. <laughs> and ever more uncompromising, and he was a, a darling for a while, and then he was so much of himself that he was less of a darling, and now I think he's coming back again as a darling. So um, it's it's interesting to see how a career moves, advocating uh, not only civil disobedience, but also, remember the trash can through Mookie the window? Mookie throws the, the can. Yes, yes. So this was not correct. We're supposed to be in the kumbaya phase, and we can work past our differences without violence, but this was a film... Uh, that was that captured something that was really deeper on the surface, and yeah, it ends with the two quotes, right? There's a Malcolm and a Martin quote, and it, it leaves I, the audience to say, remember. "What's to do the right thing?" Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember how it ends. Yeah, yeah, but some of us live with doing the right thing every day. What it, go into that a little more? Because you said you wanted to talk less about your accomplishments and more mm-hmm. about you know where we are today. Um, yeah, what what do you mean by that? We we live mm-hmm. with doing the right thing. Yes, how do you love white people? 
I do. How are you an authentic black person? I am, but I have doubts. What does it mean to do the right thing? Artists um, have got to do their own thing, and sometimes their thing is not necessarily the right thing for the, the group. So um, the, the morality of one's actions in the world, and who is the arbiter of one's morality? Uh, these are the questions that I think that do the right thing is, uh, looms, how it, how it looms large for me every day. Uh, uh, cut the BS. What do you really believe? It's a challenge of middle age. You, you're so uh, sure of yourself when you begin, when you're young. Yeah, I know exactly what is right, what's wrong. The Vietnam wrong, War, bad. Uh, KKK, bad. Kennedy, good. Uh, yeah. Nixon, bad. Uh, you know, you, you put them in boxes really easily when you're young. And you, well, well we're, and we do it now. We yeah. have a media that has uh, a perennial case of uh, infantilitis. Is that what I <laughs> want to call it? And Not I, just the media. Yeah. <laughs> Some of our leaders, too. Well, no, all of us do. Yeah. We want it to be much more simple than it is. Mm -hmm. the, the dirty work of really uh, knowing people who are different than you are. And this is from somebody who has defined himself as a maverick, an outsider. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yet, um, trying to integrate, literally, I don't want to live in the alienation that I indulged in for years. So do the right thing. Do I, I don't have children. But those people who are listening to this right now, you do have children. What are you doing that's the right thing that's going to make the world a place that is what? There's that word, inclusive. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, going, that's a world wherein people, what does love really mean without sounding like an empty, uh, hollow, and sentimental term? What does love really mean? And are you, how are you preparing yourself yeah. and your children? Because they don't, as someone said to me, let's, let's be clear, kids don't listen to what you say. Right. They watch what you do. Right. So do the right thing. That's awesome. Yeah, what 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 could those parents be doing for their kids? I mean, because so many people, I mean, I grew up in rural farmland in Maryland, you know, and then only till you move down here and you start interacting and covering the arts and the culture, you know, you start understanding, you know, there's whole other ways of life, of living. So mm -hmm. what can those parents that rather than raise their kids in these little silos, because everyone, it's like confirmation bias. You hear what you want to hear and it's mm -hmm. everyone's yeah, retreating to even the news you watch is you're seeking out things that you already believe in. But how mm -hmm. can we have people step back and, and break out of those mm -hmm. silos? Uh, that's not something you would ask a self-involved artist. You might <laughs> ask a social scientist yeah. or the people working at your school or educating your kids um, that's the word for me you, should, you have to travel you should be in a situation where you're a minority at least once that's a big one right now in America that's right? great advice. yeah yeah how do you do that and uh, and um, what is your comfort zone I read the newspaper I'm, I get lazier and lazier every year waking up at dawn for various reasons and, pull, and pulling that New York Times open and scanning through top stories. Got that, got that. Read the first paragraph here. Oh, that story makes me uncomfortable. That, I'm not interested in that. When I'm, what do you mean that made you uncomfortable? What do you mean you're not interested in that? Okay, take a breath. Go back. See if you can really go into this fresh again. And now, uh, know something about, know more about the things that you think you are convinced about what do I really know about the tax plan what do I really know I know I have a feeling about it what do I really know about the um, the women's movement you know I 
I always thought, well, I'm I'm a feminist. Right. I come. I'm all of my friends were. I think it's now popularly called second wave feminism. Right. So I thought, oh, got that. Right. But now uh, I thought, ah, uh, uh, I'm having. I'm being educated again. Yeah. So don't be so convinced that you know. And so what does that mean? Maybe you do have to listen more. Yeah. You know. Uh, I heard some. Uh, I had dinner with some really wonderful people the other night in Arizona. And um, it's one woman, a black woman, was saying that she's a very important person in this community. And she had invited uh, her colleague, a white um, professional, to come with her to a kind of a community meeting. It was going to be a, a different disenfranchised Latinx uh, persons, uh, black persons. And he said, you know, I don't know. Why do I go there? They want me to be um, a cutout version of myself. In other words, he said, I'm a white man, and I, I'm never supposed to have an opinion. I'm supposed to shut up and listen. And uh, she she and I were sort of chewing that over. Will there come a time when it's all right for everybody to equally express their opinions? I think there will be a time, but it is, maybe it's not now. And that's not a comfort for a person who believes in free speech like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, there is it true that you, who have often felt like the oppressed, now can be in the oppressor class and you've got things to learn mm-hmm. so maybe you feel you should be allowed to express my opinion just like anybody no 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 we'll get we'll get your opinion has been expressed for the last three thousand four thousand years right. now maybe you're going to be uncomfortable for a while right. you know and maybe some injustice will be done but um that's the moment we're living in right now do the right thing which seems to be our leitmotif this is our theme for this yeah i mean Mm -hmm. hey we spiked one of the honorees so it Mm -hmm. worked Mm -hmm. but rita we were also just talking with rita moreno and we were Mm -hmm. talking about her her i mean the the immigrant story she came from puerto rico Mm -hmm. and you know so and that's a huge theme now and then in the song they say life is all right in america if you're all white in america i mean (laughs) that could be said today they could have written that today yeah it's not interesting that here we are quoting um, a good musical yeah. made by three gay men. Right, right. Right? None of whom were Hispanic. Right, right. right? That's a good point. And, uh, but, but it is now, that is um, the way many of us understand yeah. the experience of, yeah. of Spanish speakers in the U.S. in the mid-20th century through a, mu- a musical yeah. made by uh, three white gay men. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, right, that, right, right. that's the way it works, right? Yeah. We should know that that's what's happening, though. Yeah. They should know what that's what's happening. Actually, and believe it or not, that musical started in D.C. It had its before it went to Broadway. It was at National Theater right down in D.C. Did it really? Yeah. Really? Isn't uh-huh. that crazy? Yeah. Wow, that's the dream of every producer. You're going to start <laughs> something out. They talk about a home run. Right. Because <laughs> I think someone yeah. told me every week somewhere in the world, a production of West Side Story is happening. That's insane. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I believe it. Uh-huh. I believe it. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, we could talk about the accolades of the show itself, but mm-hmm. more to double back to your point about how, you know, it's it's, it's those three gay white men writing that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, I think at least there's more of an awareness of, of at least we're getting there, of, of who's making the stuff now, I hope. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it was kind of more of a, the system would crank it out, and you didn't realize that. But mm-hmm. do you think we're sort of trending in that direction where it's, mm. I don't want to say identity politics, because that's such yes, a loaded term, but you know. It's true. Mean. Well... You know, and I'm conflicted about this. If a work is an effective work, do I really care who made it right. and how it came? Actually, I guess I have to care now. Right. Because, you know, for the longest time, it was kind of an unexpressed notion that the best works about people of color were not made by people of color. 
And there's, it's if you look at some of the successful works, I'm uh, like, what are we thinking about? Right? Uh, well, no, not Carmen Jones. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but uh, what about uh, Poor Gimbes? Yeah, two uh, very talented young guys, uh, New York Jewish guys. I believe they're Jewish. Uh, no, I know they were Jewish. I don't know if they were New Yorkers. Go to the South and very moved by uh, Charleston. Yeah, and they they soak up this lore, yeah. and then they go back and they turn it into something which is. Uh, Puccini-like, right? Right. No, yeah. And it's now become a staple of the opera canon. Right. Well, God, there were no uh, persons of color making uh, durable musical works like that. Right. It is still, we should still give pride of place and uh, to those works that, that succeed on the merits of as themselves. Let's right. let's assume we don't know who they are. Right. Now this is this is a difficult thing I'm saying because you know it could be really argued that we should always know. Right, right. But uh, I hold out that it's like a free speech issue. That uh, the work, explain that explain that. Well, uh, everybody, no one should have to um, justify uh, the art they make. They shouldn't have to justify it. It's got to uh, stand, sink or swim on on the merits. Of its persuasiveness, on the piece itself. On the piece, of, well, and and I know because yeah, but who's the audience for it? Right, that's true. Right. That's where that comes so, in. So, but I, but the, but I can only take it as far as the creative artist. The artist feels an impulse. They hopefully they're talented. Hopefully they know the ramifications of what they're doing. Put it out there in the marketplace of ideas, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see if it if it deserves to succeed. But you should never edit it beforehand and say you as a white man cannot write about right. a black trans woman. Right. I don't think you should do that. And vice versa. And, uh, well, uh, I mean, a black trans woman writing about a white man? Oh, no, that's fair game. <laughs> that, the limits are off of that. No, well, well, because that is the academy. Yeah, true. That's the language we're speaking. Look, you yeah. and I are speaking, quote, English right now. Right, that's right? a good point, yeah. You know, I don't know what your background is, but right. you look at my, look at me, and let go back a few hundred years, what language was I teaching, and how do I happen to be speaking English? Right, yeah, how and, did that happen? And my name is Jones, right? right? So there's... Uh, that's a great point. Yeah, so uh, I'm obviously, I'm not, I'm not Welsh. Somebody was Welsh who owned me, probably, or owned right. my people. Right. So uh, I'm saying I can't be expected to be completely um, clear-eyed and equal about this. But I'd say all bets are off when you take on the language of the com- of the power structure. You can critique it and do what you want to. The power structure, because they have been exploiting and and, and benefiting from telling the history and directing the development has to uh, show more humility. Right. Now, all that I'm saying, there's somebody who will say, that is so much BS, Bill T. Okay, well, then I'll meet you in the court of public opinion, mm-hmm. and I will meet you on the shores of where good, great, and poor works all hash it out, mm-hmm. and then we will let history decide. History is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Time is undefeated. Uh-huh. They all, it always usually bears out. Time is undefeated, huh? You like uh, that? Well, it is. But, or are you disputing this? Well, no, I'm, I think about it because uh, this time... I'm thinking the arc of the moral, you know, of the... Ju- it's the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. That's the line. Of and it's being... The king line. Yeah, it's being uh, critiqued every day. And if you look at the atrociousness where places where there used to be liberal, open thought, and now to see the corruption that has come in in terms of our notions about what is allowed, what is right, what is moral, what is the right thing, and you think about the influence of money... That statement sounds almost like a kind of sophistry. And you know what? 
or maybe a statement of faith. Thank you very much for your enthusiasm and your openness, you know. Oh, um, anytime. Uh, maybe this we, is what we, these are the conversations we need to have every day. You know? uh, they are being had every day. Yeah. I don't know if I have the stamina uh, <laughs> to have them every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but somebody should. Absolutely. And the young should. Yeah. Well, well thanks for taking a, a brief window in your day to, to oh, have thank it today. You, thank you for covering this important um, ceremony. I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of it. And congrats. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.